Good morning as we gather on this Tuesday in the sixth week of Easter. It's very joyful to have Deacon Andy and Roxanne back among us safely. I think of them in this reading we have from Acts today. My traveling companion in the faith is back home safe among us. I don't know if you were beaten and stoned in your travels, but you're back home safe. <laughs> just by the sun. The sun was a bit bright. But God bless you in your, in your work, in your ministry, you and your beautiful wife. We have this from John today. We're reading from the 16th chapter of John, and he, he tells us so beautiful that unless I go, the advocate won't come. So I need to go and send the advocate, and when I send the advocate, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and condemnation. And that happens, this infusion of grace into us at baptism is strengthened in this sacrament of confirmation. And we have it worked out today in the book of Acts. We're following along in Luke's telling, the man of great detail. And here we are in the 16th chapter, and he's telling us so beautifully that Paul and Silas and Timothy, we know Timothy's with them now, the three of them are making their way uh, through what would be northwest Turkey, northwest Turkey. Then they've made their way over to Philippi, the first city in Europe where the gospel is preached. And they were staying then with Lydia, and they're staying uh, with in Thyatira. Thyatira, I think is how you would pronounce it. That's her hometown. Lydia, we learned about yesterday, the woman who was a, a vendor, purveyor of, of purple linens, a woman of means. Paul, Timothy, and Silas are staying with her, and they're preaching there, and they're also going back into Philippi to speak the word, preach the word. People are upset about that. And so we're told the magistrates come and have them arrested and have them actually beaten with rods, that's what we're told. After inflicting many blows on them with rods, they threw them into prison and instructed the jailer to guard them securely. And that occurs. Now, if you're, keeping, if you're keeping track, this is the second time Paul has been, has been beaten. He was beaten at Lystra as well. In fact, he was stoned, got back, went right back into the city. Now he's been beaten a second time, this time with Timothy and Silas, and then in prison in an inner cell. So we can picture this, picture this facility in a sense. They're in the most secure part of this prison in the inner cells, not, not with an exterior window. And about midnight, when Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God as the prisoners listened, now think about that, they've just been beaten and their response is to sing and praises to God in the middle of the night. There was suddenly a severe earthquake that the foundations, it was so severe, the foundations of the jail shook and all the doors flew open and the chains of all were pulled loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors open, he's a man of conviction and integrity, we're told, because he draws his sword and he's about to kill himself, thinking that the prisoners had escaped, that he had failed in his, his assignment, probably trying to spare himself being tortured if they discovered he'd failed in his assignment. But Paul shouted out in a loud voice, do no harm to yourself, we're all here. So the jailer then makes his way into the inner cell and there they are, there's Paul and Silas, Timothy. The doors of the cell are open, the jail are open, they and other, the other prisoners could have made their way out, but there they sit, praising. Then the jailer brought them out, and he asked them, Sirs, gentlemen, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You and your household will be saved. So they spoke the word to him and everyone in his house. 
And then they were told the jailer then took them in at that hour of night and bathed their wounds. And he and his family were baptized at once. And he brought them up into his house and provided a meal with his whole household, rejoicing at having come to faith in God. And so we're told from Jesus in, Paul, in John's capturing in John's gospel, we're told Jesus says, I will go and I will send the advocate and he will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and condemnation because the evil one, the ruler of this world, we're told, has been condemned. And the, the, the theme is that good always wins in the end. It doesn't matter the moment. The moment can be difficult. Being stoned, being beaten by rods, being imprisoned is a difficult experience. Praise God, most of us will never know that. But place it in the context that in the end, good always wins. In the end, goodness always prevails. Light overpowers darkness always, always. So even in our contemporary moment, whether on a, on a global scale, a national scale, a family scale, or individual struggle, we have these difficulties that are real, they're hard, they're, they're, not, they're not insignificant, they're real and hard. But if we place them in the context of good always prevailing, light always winning over darkness, God's truth being made manifest, if we always place the hardship, the moment, the experience, in the context of a truth that's stronger than the current moment, more powerful than the current moment. It makes the current moment manageable. It makes it bearable. Our question always should be not, God, why have you done this? Our question should be, God, where are you in this? Not why have you done this? Why is this happening to me? That's not the right question. The question is, Lord, where are you in this? Lord, where are you in this? Show me with the infusion of grace, with the Holy Spirit, enlighten me, open my eyes, show me where you are in this moment. Show me how to navigate and appreciate this moment so that I can advance the cause of faith for myself and for all those in my life and all those that I will encounter. God bless you all.